0: Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello, and welcome to the eighth episode of our Company Watch Coronavirus podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Hello, Nick. Good morning. We're recording this episode on Friday the 15th of May, and we've finally got an update on two things which we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. So today, we're going to focus on the Corporate Insolvency and in Governance Bill. And this is due to begin its emergency passage through Parliament imminently. Now, we hoped that we would actually have the, the, the actual bill in front of us, but it still hasn't been officially published, despite Nick and I being on the Parliament website clicking refresh anxiously over the last few days. But there has been some quite um, detailed briefing on what it's going to be included. So we did think it's worth talking about that. But the caveat is that it's not an official announcement yet, so things might change. And then the second issue is the Trade Credit Insurance Guarantee. Treasury announced on Wednesday that it will temporarily guarantee B2B transactions supported by Trade Credit Insurance. Now, the details of this are still to be announced, but the intention is that it will be in place by the end of May and will run until the end of 2020. So we'll have a look at those two things. There's a few bits and pieces on the international stage that we'd try, quite like to talk about if we if we get time. Um, but I think the the corporate insolvency bill is going to be our our main focus for today. So Nick, over to you.
1: Right, thank you, Joe. Um, well, here we go with the uh, a major piece of legislation uh, that will change the entire landscape for um, suppliers with credit risk and for. Um, procurement people with supply chain risk. Um, the best detail we've got of this is from a briefing by one of the top journalists um, in the business world, Mark Kleinman at, uh, at Sky News, is a much broader set of proposals. So the first thing uh, that's being trailed is the moratorium procedure, which is a 28-day initial, possibly 56-day um stay on any sort of action against companies by any creditor.
0: But you have to Uh, be solvent, don't you? You have to be solvent.
1: So you're talking about a company with a cash flow problem, not a a terminal insolvency problem. Um, And alongside that, which is much more worrying, I think, for our audience today, is that there's what I'm calling a supplier lock-in because the bill also says that when a company goes into moratorium, suppliers are obliged to continue to supply on the existing terms. They can't cease to supply and they can't change the terms, except by agreement with the company, obviously.
0: And that's, and, again, on the basis that the, the, um, the company that's gone into moratorium is complying with the agreement thus far?
1: Yes, 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 indeed. The only uh, get out for a creditor is if it can demonstrate that continuing to supply would cause hardship to its business, but frankly, very difficult, to, very difficult to, prove. to prove. And of course, you're right, companies have to pay the their debts while they're in this procedure, but you might be 55 days down the line with supplying them when they put the hand up and say, I'm really sorry, we, we can't pay, and the whole thing gets, gets pulled. So mm. that's a worry. Um, there is then um, uh, a provision for what I'm again describing as the poor man's scheme of arrangement. This is a very... Um, old-fashioned type procedure, normally for changing the rights um, and entitlements between classes of creditors or shareholders. Right. There's now, it's it's been called in the bill a restructuring plan, and the issue here for suppliers is that there's a cram-down procedure so that if the support for the restructuring plan reaches certain um, thresholds, then dissenting creditors are obliged to go along with it.
0: Uh, it. You know,
1: it's a little bit like a CVA, if you, if right. you like. Yes, okay. So that's three. Um, the fourth provision uh, in the bill, if it is as we think it's going to be, is the suspension of wrongful trading sanctions, which again we know about. The fifth and the sixth are something that seem to be new. We know that already. Landlords are. Um, prevented from issuing winding up petitions. Now, the bill, or as trailed and as briefed, appears to suggest that this is being extended so that no creditor of any sort in any industry can issue a winding up petition.
0: Wow. I mean, that's a big change, isn't it? That is a big change.
1: But it gets worse because what the, um, uh, the briefing also says is that all statutory demands issued against companies since the pandemic started, I I think the 26th of March, lockdown but we're not sure, will be temporarily voided until the end. So you can't uh, issue a winding up petition, you can't issue a statutory demand and you know I'm bound to say that it seems to me that um, credit managers are going to have to work very hard on the more gentle powers of persuasion, because it seems to me they now have, they have nothing. They, if the company's in moratorium, they can't not supply. If it is not paying, they can't issue a winding up petition or continue with one that's already out there because any existing winding up petitions will, will be stood down and they can't make statutory demand.
0: Wow. I mean, that is a huge, wow. a huge change, isn't it, to the landscape? And, and also the enforcement. So any enforcement that you've, you've maybe got from the end of March until now is... They're frozen. It's frozen.
1: They're frozen. Uh, they haven't gone away, but they're, 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 um, they're frozen. And, of course, just think about this slightly broader. We'll come back to the last two provisions, which are less relevant to this. But uh, let's think about this. What it means, it's not just a credit risk. It's a supply chain risk because what you have now got is an awful lot of walking dead companies, you know, beyond zombie, where you are continuing to trade with them and nobody can touch them. Now, it could be a rogues charter and we're certainly in bandit territory because Mm. there is now nothing to prevent reckless or dishonest uh, trading at all.
0: And the other thing that we just before we came on air, it's maybe something we were going to pick up um, a bit later on. So, apologies, I'm jumping the gun, but it seems to fit here was about the insolvency figures for March. Yes, interesting.
1: Interestingly, um, the insolvency figures for March dropped by 30%. And
0: that it seems very counterintuitive, but actually, the reasons behind that are quite. It's obvious
1: actually when you think about it, because who are the the main... main Yeah, I'm sorry, Joe, slight misspeaking, it's April. It's April,
0: sorry.
1: It's April. But anyway, down 30%. The reason for that is because, first of all, the courts have stopped processing winding up petitions. Well, that's going to be relevant anyway. And secondly, the two most enthusiastic enforcers of credit are HMRC, which I'm presuming has been told it cannot enforce. And secondly, uh, landlords, who Who we know can't enforce. So we are storing up a problem. There's an awful lot of dead companies out there and you may still be trading with them, either as suppliers or or, or as customers.
0: And they're being allowed to carry on for longer because those normal things that you might expect to see are just not happening.
1: And then it gets worse because um, one of the other two provisions is that the Secretary of State... Um, is is proposing to take the power to further extend the delays in filing deadlines at Companies House. Because what uh, the lawyers have obviously discovered is Companies House, having already relaxed the filing um, uh, deadlines, can go no further under its constitution. So the Secretary of State. So now we have got dead companies wandering around the commercial battlefield and you know even less about them than you did before because they're not filing any information. And let's face it, if you're a reckless company or a company in real trouble, you know you wouldn't want to file at Companies House anyway. Now you absolutely don't have to.
0: I mean, and that is such sorry? a problem, isn't it? It's such a problem because people rely on information being available in the public domain and and if it's not there i just think that that we're already at a a, a quite a heightened risk um situation and so the caution that is pervading the whole business environment is only going to get worse if you know you're you're looking at a a credit manager not being able to really have a a good sense of the information um available so yeah that's quite quite um quite shocking so is there any more on on that We're, we're saying that this is what we believe to be the the case. Yes. Still, still to be actually finalised, and, and we, we're we're thinking that the delay between the briefing and the publication yeah. is due to the lobbying. <laughs> we're not sure which direction the lobbying is going. Whether it's, we're, we're it doesn't go far enough or goes <laughs> too far.
1: We're not. And I and I thought if we've got a moment um, before you get to conclusion stage, Joe, as you always do so so beautifully. Um, I I just wanted to invite everybody to look to think a little bit wider than this. Not everybody is trading within the UK. Now, what I've picked up, because as an ex-insolvency practitioner, I'm still plugged into lots of information feeds, is over the course of the pandemic, as it's developed, more and more countries have started to go down pretty much the route that we've just been describing, that the UK is, of ring-fencing companies from action by creditors. And this has been going country by country. I think it started in Greece, it's certainly in France, and it's in Germany. Um, And in fact, it's got to the point where Russia this week has passed a decree saying that there will be no enforcement action by any creditor against any business for six months. So what what I'm saying here is that if you have got debt, in Europe, and, and it goes beyond Europe, but let's call this Europe for now, um, then you need to check very carefully because you may have exactly the same problem with an inability to enforce that you're now facing the UK when this bill goes through. And um, we, we will put details when this is this is finally released um, for you to refer to, but there is um, a great organization called InSoul Europe, which is, I believe, publishing um, a regularly updating matrix of the restrictions on creditor enforcement action across Europe. Um, and, and that also, um, and bear in mind, it's not just creditor enforcement, the obligation to file for insolvency in all these countries is being relaxed just as it, as it effectively is here.
0: So it's a really, and that's a, that's such a. It's so difficult, isn't it? All these different jurisdictions having slightly different, mm-hmm. um, different rules. But we'll we'll try and find the link and, and make that available to to people. Thank you, yeah. next, yeah. that's a really useful, um, a useful thing. So, I suppose the other thing we we haven't really talked about the the trade credit insurance. I, I touched on it in my introduction. Um, obviously we'll need to find out a little bit more about the the details there. I I mean my caution on this is I wouldn't expect this to be a blank check and you know we were hearing from some of the insurers that their, their appetite to write new policies is very low that may change as the, as the government um becoming that reinsurer of last resort. but i'd expect that we still are going to see the the credit insurers needing to manage their risk book in a certain way and i just suppose that this this prevents the withdrawal from the market that we saw in in 2008 um but you know, there's still risk involved and it's not we wouldn't expect the government to well, we wouldn't have expected the government to write a blank check. I mean, things are changing all the time, aren't they? But I think as we're the furlough scheme has been extended, we haven't mentioned um that in this in this episode. But you know, I think the 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 huge amounts of money that are being spent we, there needs to be a, some kind of end end point of that, and I think that there is going to be a, a kind of reckoning um, mm. over the coming months that we we probably shouldn't expect the um, trade credit insurance guarantee to be quite such a, a panacea. so again, we've got a watching brief on that, so we will we will bring more details of that when we when we have it. So I suppose what's our conclusion um, Nick, confidence again <laughs> is it? Always confidence. It does, doesn't it? It always comes back to that point that it's such a crucial element in, in business. And, you know, on the one hand, we've got a boost to that with the furlough scheme extension, the trade credit insurance with the caveats that we've just mentioned. But the insolvency bill, it's, that's difficult to know because I think on the one hand, the, the trying to, to protect certain sectors or certain areas of the economy has these unintended consequences in other areas and I suppose until we we really see the final parts of that bill and we start seeing the reactions to various different stakeholders we 're not going to have quite such a, a sense of whether that 's a, a good thing for confidence or whether it 's actually going to mean that people have to start pulling pulling back and being more cautious. Um, so again, we'll, we'll keep a, a watching brief and, and we'll no doubt have plenty dis- to discuss in the <laughs> in the weeks to come. Um, so I, I think that's probably our, our time is up. Um, the, the time is marching on as always. It's always fascinating to talk. So thank you so much again, Nick. And I know you're on your care, you've you still at your care homes um, discussions to, to come apace. So we shall see you on the airwaves. I'll hear you on the airwaves, um, no doubt over the coming days. So thank you very much to Nick. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back again next week.